What's up, world? I'm your host, Angelica Beener, and welcome to Milestones, a new music podcast where my special guests and I take a deep look at landmark albums that are in a milestone year. And welcome back. This is part two of a special edition of Milestones, Class of 96, celebrating 25 years with Casey Benjamin, T.L. Cross, and Drago Moore Jr. So in part two, if you already listened to part one, we are going down memory lane uh, with some of the great soundtracks that shaped culture, influenced us, shaped our world and our lives. And in part two, we continue with a look at soundtracks of the 90s and a little beyond. So I'm so excited. I'm not going to make this a long intro. Let's get right into it. The film industry was booming. Black films were becoming prolific and the soundtracks were right there. And I wonder, somebody brought up The Bodyguard earlier. That was the first. Now, I'm going to tell you all another thing, another thing that I haven't told many people. I've only seen The Bodyguard once. I saw it on a date. It was my first date ever. <laughs> it was my first date ever with a boy named Ezra. And we went to see, <laughs> we went to see the bodyguard. Shout out to Ezra, man, wherever you are, man. Like shout outs to Ezra. And we went to see the bodyguard at King's Plaza Mall in Brooklyn. And that was the only time I've seen the bodyguard. I wasn't particular about the movie. It was like, eh. But that sound track, I mean, the bodyguard? I mean, this is Whitney Houston coming off of, she's at the height of her powers and she's also the darling now because she's just done the, the national anthem the year before. And she comes with this soundtrack that literally changes everything about the culture, the music industry, Hollywood, she turns, it's like a tectonic shift. It's like a one woman shift with this soundtrack. Do y'all remember the bodyguard like boom? Oh yeah, like, oh, oh man, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I was, just, was I was, I, I, I was just thinking about, um, I was, this is maybe a couple of years ago, I was speaking to uh, Kirk Whaler. Mm -hmm. Saxon, the solo on the I Will Always Love You. And I think, I'm trying to remember exactly, because I was asking about it, I was trying to remember exactly what he was saying. Something along the lines where that particular track was kind of a demo. They didn't really know if it was gonna be what it was gonna be, which is usually the case with a lot of records, you know, it's like a demo and people like, and then it turns out to be the biggest hit or whatever. Um, but he was, he was saying that, yeah, we didn't really know. And then like, it just blew up after that or whatever. It's the biggest selling soundtrack of all yeah. time. And it's also like just one of the biggest selling albums of all time, but I didn't know that was Kirk Whalum on the solo. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. But you know, and this this has sort of uh, been out there in recent years, but did you guys know that that was Kevin Costner's idea to have her singing acapella in the beginning? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Dave Foster, who, you know, did that song, he was like, you know, nah, like, we trying to get this song on radio, like, this is how this has got to have music from the start. And Kevin Costner was like, no, I want it like acapella in the beginning and then bring in the strings and the music and all like that. And David Foster was really fighting him against it. And then she did it. And Foster was like, oh, oh, I got, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that is the only way this can happen, you know, kind of thing. But that's, wow. I mean, I will always love you, run to you. Um, I have nothing. I have I'm nothing. Not I'm every woman. I mean, yo, that soundtrack, I mean, it was just hit after hit after hit at Whitney at her vocal prime 
I mean, it, that feels too like a, a bit of a perfect storm. And then she does that beautiful version of Yes, Jesus Loves Me too, Dre. If, if I may, because you prefaced something earlier about Black voices having an imprint on blockbuster films. So, so, so and I know this, this is probably late 80s, but as you say, Whitney, to me culturally, right, Bobby Brown's Ghostbuster on our own was a huge blockbuster film yep. that really gave Babyface, sounds Babyface, which um, Kirk had an album tribute to Babyface, which I got from you at some point. <laughs> but uh, no, um, that Bobby Brown song really showed, right? Because if you remember the video, you had, you know, everybody in the video, people I won't name, but everybody was in the video. Um, and it was a really big deal for New York City, um, but it was an R&B artist. Um, first of all, it had an audition was on the soundtrack and other R&B artists as well. But it was really the first time I really felt like the, the theme song, everybody was too hot to handle, too cold to hold. Everybody kind of knew that. Um, and it was different than the, who you gonna call? No shame. Yeah, a, a yeah. Different thing. Um, mm -hmm. And it felt like, urban artists were now spearheading blockbuster films, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you go like 88, I guess maybe you might consider Moonwalker uh, uh, um, that soundtrack. I mean, I had it on VHS. I don't think I've had the Moonwalker album, but mm -hmm. soundtrack. But mm -hmm. once you get into the 90s, where, where we met in LaGuardia in 92, yo, that is when The Bodyguard came out. Yeah. Right? Fall. Fallish. Yeah. So um, it's an interesting thing that that soundtrack um, would be the biggest selling soundtrack of all time um, with Whitney Houston at the forefront of it. But it was all around the time that we were being introduced to high school life. You know what I mean? I yeah. Was, I mean, yeah. So I, I just wanted to just kind of say that for me, the bodyguard obviously was, you know, my mom loved it, but it was something that she could play that I could listen to. Yeah. Also find appreciation because it sounded like her music, but still our music at the exact same time. That's right. Groups that came out where I felt that way. I loved some of her music, but it didn't feel like mine. Yes. Kind of that hybrid. Like Absolutely. Exactly. It felt like it was for me. You know yeah, I mean? it was. It was. That was that was ours. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean? so, and, so. and you know, while we're on the subject of of, of Babyface Cross, you know, '92, we also had you know the Boomerang soundtrack. Yes. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Man, I, you know, I, you know, the Boomerang soundtrack was a big deal for me. You know. But before I talk about the Boomerang soundtrack, let me just say, I don't know if y'all remember this because nobody mentioned this. David Foster came to LaGuardia. I was he going, did? He did? was that? David I Foster, left that for you, bro. You threw the alley for me? <laughs> David Foster, there was this thing called Grammys in the schools. Grammy in the right. school. Uh-huh. And that year, David Foster came to LaGuardia. And what he did was... Oh, Casey is holding up. Oh, stop. Casey was actually one of the students that they recognized during that, if I'm not mistaken, Casey. 95 and 96. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like two years in a row, by the way. <laughs> I had to Y'all had all the paraphernalia. I was like, I, I need to find something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. When they were talking about Casey, and I was like, yo, him? Yo, I know, yo who knew? You know? I know him. He's in my class. Oh, <laughs> he, was, he was so smooth with it and, and laid back that you didn't realize that he was accomplishing all of these amazing things. And David yeah. Foster did come. Sorry, sorry, man. I didn't mean to. Casey, you were always yeah. Casey, you were you were on some super humble like you were always just low key the low whole key time doing. doing like amazing shit. But you just yeah. you know it was. You was just cool at all times. Listen, let your Libra in you, I think. <laughs> legendary, legendary, man. You were doing legendary things, man. Legendary but, shit, yeah. 
here is the moment I want to tell y'all about that I remember with David Foster being in our school and talking about the Bodyguard soundtrack. David Foster brought us, the vocal majors, into the theater. Remember? He brought us into the theater. He, he you're like, no. no. <laughs> David, yo, yo, David Foster, I was sitting right next to Toe, yo. We was, <laughs> we was right next to each other. So listen, David Foster is talking to us about all of this stuff, right? He's just breaking stuff down. And then they allowed us to ask him questions, right? So somebody asked him, there were two moments that stood out to me. Somebody asked him, out of the songs that you've written, what's your favorite? He said, after the love is gone. And we went crazy because we all knew after we Earth, Wind & Fire, we was like, oh my God. But here's the thing, he got, he went to the piano and he started playing, I have nothing. And then what? he said, is here? Is there anybody here who would like to sing? And I'll never forget a freshman. Tell them what I did. Tell them what I did, Cross. Tell them what I did. Nah. Tell them what I did. A freshman by the name of Amina. She was, she got up. She walked down the stairs. She didn't even wait to be called. Like she what? just said, I'll do it. She walked down the steps and everybody said, all right, all right, all right. She stood next to the piano. David Foster starts playing it. So he's, he's doing, you know, he's playing it. She's singing a song and she's doing her thing. They, they, they modulated. When it got to the big modulation, don't Tell make me. And then she hesitated and then she didn't sing the note, right? And everybody said, oh. So he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, wait a minute. He said, when we were in the studio, when I was in the studio with Whitney Houston, and we were gonna do that very last modulation, he said, Whitney said, nah, I can't do that. And he said, just try it one time for me. If you don't do it, you don't feel comfortable, we'll take it out. What we hear is Whitney Houston's one time, just trying it. That's what Get we hear. out of wow. here. Oh, that's crazy. That's what he said. Oh, he my said gosh. he was going to change the key, I think, originally. Yeah. Say, say that again? No, I think he originally mentioned changing the key. Oh, okay. Yeah. So wow. Accommodate her voice kind of thing. Right. Okay. So what he did was he said to, he said, no, y'all don't do that. He said, because the great Whitney Houston, she hesitated too like that. He said, but all you have to do is just try. Just give yourself the opportunity to try. And that's what she did. And here we are today. Oh my goodness. That's Where crazy. was I, yo? I feel like I was <laughs> I was never was around for the cool shit. Huh? You, were, you, were, you were cutting. That's what you were saying. You were somewhere with Ezra. Okay, so the boom, so we're talking about the boomerang soundtrack and just Babyface comes. Yes. So ba Babyface is at the top of his game. You know, he's at the top of the charts. He's 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 just the man by the time the boomerang soundtrack comes out. Um, and that soundtrack features, it kind of breaks Tony Braxton because he does that duet with her, uh, Give You My Heart. I believe that's before her solo album. So that that sort of introduced her. And then of course, End of the Road, which is one of the oh, biggest selling songs in history. Um, Johnny Gill, There You Go. Um, so, so that was just a hot, hot soundtrack. It was one, one of the best, one of the best. And it then was he, a, uh -huh. oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 say. Oh, I was gonna say, and that was also, in my opinion, that was kind of like um, a re the return of, although it was kind of delayed, it was kind of like the return of Charlie Wilson because Charlie Wilson had a duet on that Boomerang soundtrack with Aaron Hall. And Aaron Hall was the guy from Guy and, you know, his idol was Charlie Wilson and they wanted, they, they had a Gap Band thing kind of going on Guy or whatever. And he said, the first thing he said, they had a song called Everything's Gonna Be Alright. And the first thing he said was, Ooh. I finally got a song with my mentor. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be everything yeah. is gonna be I forgot about wow. that joint. That's you, right. Of course, you left out the laugh though. 
collab. I totally didn't realize that was a duet though. It sure was. You know what? And, and also shout out to PM Dawn for that little song they had. Is it my turn to tell you? I remember a scene where it was with the bus. The yep. yeah. I remember that like. <laughs> That was like, oh man, he that's when you really was like he done really lost his woman. Like ain't no way Halle Berry yeah. coming back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then also just to uh reiterate um the, the score, Marcus Miller. Marcus Miller. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. When he when he tries to creep into bed, oh yeah. Bed, he's playing bass clarinet. The bass clarinet part. Yeah. Ooh, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> Oh, wow, I did not know that. Dope, dope. Since, since we're talking about queens, hot sex on the platter. Bump, bump. Hot, mm -hmm. we go. <laughs> call quest. You know, with hot sex on the platter from that boomerang soundtrack, you know, as well. And, you know, I think, you know, to, to just bring it back to the theme that I think we've sort of organically created in this conversation, which is, you know, Black film becoming so popular and so big in the 90s, I remember, you know, Eddie Murphy getting roasted by the critics because they were saying, you know, this movie is a, you know, there's an all black advertising firm and everyone's black where you go and every, every, everyone is black everywhere, you know, and I remember him going on Leno and being like, you know, the reason why they're slamming this movie in the, in the reviews is because they can't envision a world where they are not dominant. And that was such a powerful thing for him to say at that time. And so, and then you have this soundtrack, this all black soundtrack accompanying this film. It felt very, very powerful. Yeah, I, I think it, it lended itself to the times, um, right? Like there were a lot of entrepreneurs coming out that, that, that was black owned businesses, black owned clothing lines. And it, oh, it, wow, it yeah. Happening at the same time, right? The music, the fashion, the cinema. Um, if I can, it was a movie that came out before that, if I'm not mistaken, that, that, that I'd hate to skip over because um, it took place in Harlem um, called Juice. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that. I was just saying yeah. that since we were talking about baby face, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I just went on, I was going on down the baby face rabbit hole. You were going down the 92 okay. rabbit hole. So I'm cool to go either way. Where y'all want to go? Y'all want to stay on 92? I'm a face fan. I'm a face fan. I think 92, right? Because I think Juice came out in 92, like early 92. It or... did come out in 92. I mean. Who was, who was, the, uh, who was the director for that, that movie? Ernest. Ernest. I don't know. I can't think of his last name. Uh, it was Ernest something though. Ernest. Okay. Oh. I mean, Ernest, I, I, Ernest Dickerson. Ernest. Uh, Ernest R. Dickerson. Very, uh, very underrated guy. Ernest Dickerson. Um, got it. And he's not an older man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He actually is significantly younger than Spike, making a film, making a movie in '91. Um, but but in telling this story, um, which I, I always tell people, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a thriller, it's a suspense thriller that takes place in the urban in the environment, but it's not um, necessarily a hood film. That's just the setting. But agreed. The score of it, like when they're, that famous scene by the locker room with Omar Epps and Pop, right? Shoo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it's being scored like you would see any other thriller. You yeah, know, setting yeah. Is really urban. Um, uh, I never thought about that. But but it builds right. Like he's at the, the funeral and he hugs the the, the, the parent. Right. Yeah, and it's he, chilling. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the, the, sonically, right to my ears, all of the scoring in those scenes have nothing to do with quote unquote hip hop culture. It's scored like an actual. Like you'd watch The Godfather or a suspenseful film that might right, have it. right. It's it's just scored differently. Like he had a really good sense of building drama, um, tension, you know, climatic, you know, climatic sounds that leave you like, what's about to happen? Yes. Like it's a guy who turns characters, right? He goes from being regular to, yo, he's going crazy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think we don't look at that movie like a suspense thriller the way we would a movie 
a, a mainstream white movie where, you know, um, like a single white female or, you know, a, something like with Michael, you know, Michael Douglas and the lady, you know, fatal attraction, you know, that kind of thing. But absolutely in its own right, it is absolutely a thriller. Soundtrack, I mean, so great. My favorite song is, of course, you know, Know the Ledge. It is one of, I mean, it's probably, it's easily one of my favorite Rakim songs as well. You know, Cross, do you want to just talk a little bit about that? And then, you know, Casey, I want to know what you think too, because that, the way he phrases that song is so, it sounds like a solo that you would like, like that you could play phrasing wise, you know, but Cross, you want to add something about that? Yeah, no, that, that that's really dope that you said that. Cause I think that um, Rakim talked about being, of uh, uh, playing the saxophone, you know, early in oh, life. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And listening to train and listening to various people like that, and listening to the cadences, and that's kind of how he wanted to approach lyricism. So that that's you know exactly that's perfect. Um, and shout out to him for playing the drums on that song. You know, Rakim. You know, um, know the ledge. Yeah. Playing the drums on that. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, he actually played. He hopped on the drums. Don't no. What? He's drumming on that. Shout out to Rock Kim for hopping on the traps. Come on. For that song. Come wow, on, that's now. crazy. Absolutely. You know, that's shout crazy. out. You know, um, and and you know, it may be a little creepy, but you know, don't be afraid by, <laughs> by oh, Aaron Hall. Damn. <laughs> oh, that, oh damn. <laughs> that's probably the creepiest song of the 90s. <laughs> like it's like you go Period. back and listen to this, like, hmm. I don't know how I feel about this song anymore, but uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, yeah, you know, Juice, you know, in, in Uptown Anthem, man, you know, shout out to, 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 to Traction, you know, Party, man, Uptown Anthem, that that what you gotta, right? We gotta, we gotta. <laughs> We go. Oh, yeah. and, and shout out to Tammy, uh, Tammy Lucas. Is it good to you? Is it is it is it good to you? I like it. <laughs> and, 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 and we got to shout out, you know, Nat Adderley, uh, Rise, Sally, Rise, because that's the sample on the uh, Know the Ledge. That doom, 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 doom. Yes. That's, yeah. Yes. So shout out and, to and, Nat. Wow. You know what? Know and speaking of the shout outs, I just want to say what we mentioned this, in, you know, some time ago, but I forgot to say this. Shout out to, we talked about The Last Dragon, right? Yeah. Remember when he's like in the in the theater? And she takes him to see him to see you know Bruce Lee on the screen, and he said, "Oh, you know the French Connection, you know Chinese, you know Chinese Connection." But so he says, "You know what? I'll be right back." And so you see a flower growing. It's all at the end. They show Bruce yep. Lee going, mm -hmm. and the flowers growing, and you hear that high pitched singing. Shout out to Sarita Wright because she sang on that. Oh, you know, the masters know that you need. She goes, Duh. that high pitched voice in there. Shout out to Sarita Wright. Oh, and it was wow. Great. The way that the way that flower they showed that flower growing or whatever, and then her hitting that high note at the end, that was so perfect. And I just kind of wanted to throw that out. Oh yeah, I mean Sarita, there's always room to to talk about Sarita and uh, and she and Smokey Robinson do a duet at, at on the time You know, yeah. I wanted to uh, just say something to in response to to T.O. Cause he was talking about um, Rakim listening to the cadences and. It just reminded me of, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, uh, Biggie documentary on Netflix. Yes, yes, and yes. And how, how Donald Harrison's talking about how he used to mentor him and he he always loved jazz music and he was listening to the cadences. And That's he broke right. down one of his rhymes with, you know, the cadences. It's, it's interesting how that, you know. How MCs working. hear that way, exactly. Because exactly. I feel like Biggie, you know, Donald Harrison was, a huge influence on Biggie Train, a big influence on Rakim. And when I hear Nas, especially on Illmatic, I hear Joe Henderson mm. big time, especially on a song like The World Is Yours, that it has this Joe Henderson-y yeah. type of cadence to me. So it's interesting the, the, the connection that MCs and saxophonists in particular, I feel like there's a, there's a thing, there's a thing going on there. <laughs> um, but you know, if, if we're gonna go, you know, yeah, so Juice, yes, an, 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 an incredible soundtrack that would, I feel like lead to so many of the, the you know, the hip hop soundtracks, you know, that was a huge, 
thing you know you had juice and then you know then you had above the rim and 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 what else that menace to society and what are some of the other hip-hop soundtracks boys in the hood had a good uh, soundtrack as well mm -hmm. uh, you know but you know and while we're in that era right there i want to throw out i want to throw out um well mention i want to also mention house party you know Ooh. which i think I think Marcus Miller had, you know, had something to do with that as well. Um, you know, well, all right. <laughs> okay, I got another wow. confession, y'all. I got another confession. No, I've never seen any of the house parties. Not in full, not in full. I have to admit, I have never seen any house party movie from start to finish. It's like a, it's like an all star cast, you know. No, I know. <laughs> okay, this this go and watch. Just go and watch the first one. Just go and watch the first one, and you're good. It never grabbed <laughs> me. Like I'll put it on, and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, yo. And I love Robin Harris. I know there's some great chemistry between him and Kid, and the scenes feel so long and you know I, I don't know it's just <laughs> I don't know what it is and I know that it's like this is like black card revocable but like I just have never been able to genuinely be interested in house <laughs> what you doing this weekend I'm coming I'm coming over we're gonna watch house party I know right like that would literally have to be the only way like y'all will have to force me we gotta get together and watch house party because <laughs> I, I, you know what? Well, you know what? We won't go to our whole house okay. party. But, right. I, but but you know they they had a they had a, a, a you know a pretty cool soundtrack as well. But right. I want to throw out I want to throw out this soundtrack. You know, it's not talked about a lot, but I will throw out the soundtrack of the movie Jason's lyric. Oh, of course. Yes, and on that album, Black Men United. You know. In you know the you know really the 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 introduction of D'Angelo like people you know this is the first time I ever heard of D'Angelo you know first he sang at the end of it wrote and produced was Brian McKnight Crazy Love on that album he was yes the Whitehead Brothers the Whitehead Brothers absolutely okay. Kim yo the dude Kim he yeah. was on that album Kim was on really wow really. We had a song that sound Lionel Richie is, and I'll take a step for you. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know Kim until, you know, I didn't know. Him. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, who's this cat trying to sound like Al Jarreau? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know until till then. And by then, he, you know, was everywhere, but like, yeah. what? And oh, I think Olita Adams' Many Rivers to Cross is on yeah. that as well. Right. Oh, wow. The harder they come. Yes. The harder they come. Yeah, we threw that one out. And then, yeah. Yes. Yo, 70s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah. It Very is underrated. underrated, but to your point, and I think that brings up a larger point where soundtracks were vehicles for artists who were either burgeoning or, you know, maybe that was their one big song or artists that was kind of breaking, you put them on a soundtrack first and then, you know, to get the buzz going and then, you know, they're on a record like that. That happened quite a few times, I feel like. But certainly with Black Men United and You Will Know, that's this is one of my favorite. I, I love that song so much. Written and produced by D'Angelo. He's playing piano on it. He's You see him in the video for like a hot second because he's not a name at this point, which is crazy. It's so interesting to see him when he's obscure. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That's crazy. In, in kind of an answer. I don't want to say it's an answer to it, but another um kind of a uh in hip-hop they called they used to call it a posse record like the symphony where they had a bunch of people on one yeah. record then like this uh, the scenario but another one if you remember the panther soundtrack yeah and they had the ladies it was on all there. women and they did freedom and yep. if you remember this ties back to LaGuardia because what what year was that Drake? what year was it when that when all the girls they did freedom in Khalif, might have been, Khalif. might have been ninety five four, because because Khalif yeah. was in it. Um, yep. Candice and Nakia were in it. 
Yep. soundtrack because that 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 first of all that film I think was so important to the culture um you know the basketball culture that is so ingrained in black culture and then the the soundtrack with the classic SWV Wu-Tang collaboration anything you know that that was That was that was a great one as well. But then, you know, we got to circle back to Babyface because in Come on 19- now. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk yeah. about women ensembles, man. Come on now. I mean, waiting to exhale. Come. Come on now. On. I mean, that is literally one of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the from the song from the compositions of course the great baby face to the sequencing to the choice of artists and musician on the record i mean that soundtrack is just it's special it's it's intergenerational you know you got everybody from swv and, and faith evans to aretha franklin to patty labelle to who am I missing? Shantae Moore, you know, the great Whitney Houston is sort of spearheading this whole thing. With Brandy. Brandy. Sitting up in my room. Sitting up in my room. Great. Do you know who was on there though? It, 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 was, it was like four girls, I think they were like bald headed, like low cuts. Oh, you're talking about black, uh, well not, was it, was it black girl or was it for real? For real. For real. Once, how could you call her? That uh, one? That's that's um Shania, I think her name is or Shania, who I was so upset that I never heard from her after that. But that how could you how could you call her your baby? I felt that song like here. You, you did oh. uh, after. You know what? Speaking of the two panelists on this thing that had a little thing, yeah, that song does have a bit of a ring to it. <laughs> I still remember. Yo, feeling that way. Good night. Oh, the pivot was crazy right there. The pivot was crazy. Uh, (laughs) I open with that. Uh, I was on base. I thought I was on base today. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my gosh! And shout out to Sonia Marie as well. for her spoken word on the and I gave my love to you. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna hold y'all. I know that song is kind of smooth jazz, but that's one of my favorite songs on the record. <laughs> and I gave my love to you, you know, because that was like, you know, the entrance of like the whole the height of you know the spoken word thing and everything. What year was this? Wait, wait, was boomerang. I this mean, is 95. Uh waiting to exhale is 95. Oh yeah, that was a good pivot. That was strong. Yeah, yeah I know. Nice. You did good with that. You did good with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can't, we can't. That one, you did good with that. <laughs> if we can't, can't leave out Dead Presidents. Ooh. And, 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 and uh, Love Jones. Oh. oh. Listen, listen, well, can, can I just say, because that, that Presidents, that spoke my language because they just, they went back and they got 
like, you know, how, like, uh, let, let's see, uh, what year is Dead Presidents? Is that, I know it's mid-90s, what is it? Mm-hmm. I think it's 94, 95. The 94, 95, because I'm, I'm feeling like it's right at that point, right? Um, 95. Just yeah. right around that time. 95, yeah. 95, so right before that, you know, Biggie had had his song, Warning, you know, in which he samples Isaac Hayes, and, you know, on that soundtrack, they they had they had walk on by by you know that that is first of all that's an amazing arrangement oh that Isaac God. walk on by they even shot a video if you remember for that movie you know for walk on by if you go and look at it it's Isaac Hayes he's in the desert with a fur on and all this stuff it's really it's amazing you know but wow but, but yes that that right there those soundtracks but can I just say right quick. Hurts Like Hell by Aretha Franklin. I just have to I just have to put that out there. Hurts mm. Like Hell by Aretha Franklin is just one of the most moving uh performances um on a song that I could think of, period. You know, oh that, man. That is oh. just that's, that's uh. otherworldly. And then and then we can't forget the title song, shoot. By Whitney Houston, you know, in she, everyone falls in love sometimes. Sometimes oh, it's wrong, sometimes it's right. My brother Cross, we can't forget I'm Not Gonna Cry by the great Mary J. Blige. Oh, we forgot about Mary. Yes, that's right. And she won, that was, that was her first number one record. What? Yeah, that was the first one, really? <laughs> one record. First number one pop record or first number, it was the first crossover record into the pop chart, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that, yeah. that was her first. Was her first. Get she out of here. Yeah, she had never had like a number one. And that was the that was perfect for her because that was right around the time when she was doing her my life and all of that stuff. Yeah. So that was that was the perfect moment. That solidified that between my life and that soundtrack, it really solidified her in a place that she didn't occupy at one point. Because you remember when she first came out, her original competition was CeCe Peniston. <laughs> it was CeCe Peniston and Mary Day Blige. You know, walk on by. I'm sorry, keep on walking. Real love. You know? That's absolutely true. That is uh. so true. A lot of people want to make the faith Mary thing, but that wasn't the original thing. Faith didn't come out until 90. Her album doesn't come out till 95. Yeah. Uh, what's the 411 came out? What, 91, 92? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, it's funny, not gonna cry, which first of all, that song is bad funny to me because <laughs> you know, girl, you know, it was it was an anthem for us. And there was no time that, you know, just like you said, you put on the butt and it's, and it's pandemonium. You put that song on and any woman who done ever been through something, you know, it's up that, well, I'm not going cry, you know. <laughs> and that wasn't mine, right? Like that, that, it didn't speak to me as my grief anthem, you know. Um, but I always found it kind of funny, actually. But um, not the pain, not the pain. But the, the the anthem itself and just the anyway, I'm digging a hole for myself here. But um, <laughs> I grew. I'm saying all this to say I grew to appreciate that song over time. I didn't originally um, dig. It was probably my least favorite on the album. I always skip "Not Gonna Cry," but I really appreciate even the change. I appreciate her backgrounds. I appreciate Babyface. You know. You know, I, I appreciate that song in a way that I that I didn't. And you mentioned Casey. You mentioned um, you, you said Dead Presidents. And what was the other one you mentioned? Love Jones. Love Jones. Oh. Yes. Let's talk about Dion Ferris and Hopeless. Okay. Penny and a hole in it with a hole in it. Yes. Oh, goodness. I mean that Man, rose. The version of uh, um, inside of inside of inside of me, uh, the Minnie Rippington. Somebody oh. did a remake oh, of this. Inside my love. Inside my love. Excuse me. Um, I forget her name. Uh, oh. Yeah. 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 The alternate version of that Maxwell song. Ooh, uh, the something something something. Yes, man. That, that remix. That like. Casey, I totally forgot about that. Yes. It was, man, it was just so special, man. It's very, very special. 
Yeah, because I think by the time we get to the late 90s, we're shifting out of higher learning. That's another great soundtrack. You know, Ask of You, Raphael Sadiq, Michelle and Dege Ochoa oh. has a yeah. beautiful song that don't nobody hold me. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle and Dege Ochoa, shout out. That That's one of oh, the, yeah. that's a bad tune. I even love the tune by like Liz Fair that's on that, but um. Yeah. I think, yeah, but, but I think by the time we're, we're leaving, by the time we're getting to the late 90s with Love Jones and The Best Man and, and films like this, we're moving away from, I think what people would call the, the hood films, you know, Poetic Justice, Jason's Lyric, Menace, Bo uh, Boys in the Hood, you know, where we're telling these sort of more tragic stories and we're moving into uh, a little bit of a more bo bohemian side of the black experience with the spoken word with love jones and even like the like i said the, with the best man and stuff like that so what are some other um like late 90s soundtracks that you guys like well well, well can i can i throw in there nutty professor soundtrack oh because that's right yeah nutty professor soundtrack a, a, a friend of mine, you know, got his debut on there, which was Touch Me, Tease Me, with Case, and also Foxy Brown. This was Foxy Brown oh, kind of yeah. coming out thing with Touch Me, Tease Me, Nutty Professor. And also you you had Jay-Z's, ain't no, like the one I got, no one, bump, 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 bump. Yeah. Yeah, so that, 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 nutty, that nutty Professor soundtrack, that, you know, and I think that, I think the reason why, I think Def Jam, was Def Jam did that soundtrack. So okay. a lot of the people that were, you know, associated okay. with it is that, that's, you know what? That was the specialty soundtrack. Now, that's when they started having the specialty soundtrack where they would go to like the late, that one label and say, you're doing the soundtrack. And then all those artists would be on the soundtrack. Yeah, the whole camp. Casey, you might remember when, when Uptown was doing a soundtrack for New York Undercover. Do you remember that? I was on, we were on one of the episodes. I think you it's- it's the uh, it's where we're at. We're at the Palladium. Oh. We met uh, we met in Tumeg, and what? it's a scene. It's a scene in the beginning of the show where everybody's in the crowd and they're dancing, and there's a there's a rap on stage, and then shots ring out, and everybody like scrambles. So, that episode, I believe it was shot in Harlem at Nikki's. I'm not mistaken. Or at least that was the exterior. Exterior, oh, maybe exterior. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. That, that was a that was a fun time, man. <laughs> wow. But you know, I think about I think about the um you mentioned the late 90s. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny. One of the songs, I, I I mean, I, I guess soundtrack-wise, I guess this would be the late 90s. Y'all, y'all correct me if I'm wrong as far as year. But is but is in uh Love and Basketball late yeah. late 90s? Yeah. That might be there. That, yeah. that I think that might be. It. But no, Love and be. Basketball, I love that to, for me this is where cinema and film I think are so one of those moments where you see how powerful a song can be in a film. That scene where she's she says I'll play you for your, you know, to get him back and he's and he's just ripping her on the court. And that Michelle and Dege Ocello song is playing a fool of me. You made a fool oh, of me. Oh, I mean, it's Ooh, just, it, and that he, one. you know, it, it's like, you, it's that superimposed on him, like crossing her, like, like, you know what I mean? Like with, with no um, remorse, you know, he's just dusting her on the court, you know, to the, so it, it's, it's fun. It's a funny juxtaposition. And now Michelle is doing uh, Queen Sugar. Of course she's, you know, uh, music supervisor to that. So she's she's been in the film game for a while, but that is just one of those moments in film where a song just transforms, you know, a scene. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I can I say one more thing? I know we're in the 90s. Of course. 90s. I forgot about one joint from the 80s. Lean on me. Oh that one was yes. a big one. Yeah. I totally yeah. forgot about that. That was 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 climax on that. They did the remake of it, right? Um, the remake, right? Make of Lean On. Oh, is that on the soundtrack? Yeah, that was uh, a yeah. no, no, oh, brand, brand new, new something new. Oh, brand new, right? Not climax. 
Club yeah, Nouveau. yeah, Club Nouveau. Club Nouveau. Like yeah, yeah. Climax. Yeah, yeah, the Club Nouveau, what, what they had, they had like, why you treat me so bad before that, and <laughs> right. rumors, you know what I'm saying? Rumors, yep, that's right. Wasn't the guys from Riff? Riff, they were in it. Was in Lean On Me. Fair East Side, they sung that, they sung the school anthem. Right, it's a high. Oh, wow. <laughs> I and, and, and I gotta say, since we swung back to the 80s real quick, I just have to say that I thought about one that I forgot to, which is one of my favorite soundtracks actually. And that is Christopher Tracy Parade, Under the Cherry Moon. Prince, Ooh, Under the great. Cherry Moon. Uh, yeah, that I one mean, was, that was underrated. That's a hell of a soundtrack. You yes. know, Christopher Tracy's Parade, Do You Like, Mountains, and of course, Kiss. Kiss, Kiss, I mean, Kiss. come on. Yeah. That, and, um, it also featured a song that I always felt like, you know, and this is back in the day when when people, you know, would try to be like, you know, this Prince song, you know, this Prince song. I'd be like, you know, sometimes it snows in April. They'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> because if you didn't have that soundtrack and you didn't see Under the Cherry Moon, you don't know that one. You know, of course, now everybody, you know, it's it's not a, you know, everybody knows that song now. Um, but well, well, you know what, you know, Speaking of which, then we got to throw in Graffiti Bridge because remember Tevin Campbell had Round yeah. and Round? Round and Round, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, you know, when we think about, you know, rounding out the 90s and then, you know, for the 9-9-2000s, I sort of fell out with keeping up with that. And I feel like, you know, the, the movie and the soundtrack, I don't, I don't know that they had as big of an impact in the in the first decade of the 2000s as it did in the 90s. I don't think it did. Uh, maybe with like 50 Cent or something. Just it, I just there was a disconnect for me. But were there any soundtracks post 90s for you guys that were just like that just really kind of got you? Just one up uh, two. Okay. And both of them are in the actual year 2000. <laughs> this would be bamboozled. <laughs> oh, of course. I didn't... And okay, now this might not have been the year 2000, actually. Somebody looked this up. But I was thinking about Soul Food because they had that song Mama. Uh, Baby oh, Face. Oh, right. Yeah. I think that's late 90s, but I'm going to check. I'm going to check. I'm yeah, going to check that. Yeah. Might be uh, 98, 99. Yeah. That it, was another that was another baby face. 97, sure. actually. 97. Oh, okay. 97. And Those, was so, the character Bird. Was that her name? Bird. Yeah, Bird. Yeah, yeah. 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 That had um total What About Us and uh Casey and Joe Milestone. Remember Milestone. when Milestone uh, Casey and Jojo after seven collaboration. Wait a minute. Uh, yo, so so. I would say Brown Sugar was 2002-ish, maybe. That that was one that had um, Erica Badu's Love of My Life, I think. Yep. Yeah. yep. Um, there was something else on there, but I remember, because that's when you, you know, you would order the CDs and get like, you know, 10 for, for you know. For one cent. Five dollars or something. Yeah, one cent. <laughs> Columbia House. Yeah. Columbia House, Columbia House. Speaking of the 2000s, there's one particular soundtrack that we have to talk about because one of our guests won an American Music Award for writing for this soundtrack. And that is you, Cross. Um, Get It On Tonight, Montel Jordan, which was a number one hit. And it was on the soundtrack of the movie, Save the Last Dance, which featured, you know, Julia Stiles of all people. Yes, absolutely. You know, in that, funny enough, you talk about movies you, that you haven't seen. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> I know that's terrible. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> but, Yo, that's crazy. But what I will say is, yes, you know, we, um, you know, shout out to Darren and Brian and PLX. We did, you know, get it on tonight for Montel Jordan for his album. It was picked up by the film and it was like, like part of the final scene up into the credits, you know, uh, yeah, it was like the big, you know, I've seen oh, that part. Uh -huh. And uh, come, to, come to find out, the soundtrack went on to sell millions of copies. And, and it was nominated uh, for 
uh, uh, best soundtrack of 2001. And so 2002 came uh, and we won the American Music Award, you know, for that. So shout out to Save the Last Dance. Thank you for using Get It On Tonight. And that's my contribution to the world of soundtracks. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, yes. I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, we forgot We forgot about a uh, deep cover. Ooh. Oh. Another one, too. Doom, doom. That was, what, 92? Had to be. Had that was 92, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, they crush groove though. Tend to love and all that in the 80s. Oh, man, I forgot about Tend to Love. Oh, my yes, god, yes, yes, yeah. Tend to Love. Tend to Love. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Come on now. Come yeah. on, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. We forgot about, I mean, this is the thing about this subject. I almost feel like you could almost do, we could almost divide this podcast into if we had structured it this way episode one, the 70s episode two, the eighties, episode three, the nineties, because there's just so many brilliant soundtracks to talk about. And I, we're not even going to get to all of them. You know, I know that I, we're not, you know, we're just not going to, but I mean, hopefully we've, we've touched on, you know, a lot of important work, but yeah. I think being in our conversation, um, we spoke briefly about even going back like, I mean, not for this conversation, but the importance of black soundtracks, um, particularly in musicals, right? Poor Absolutely. Music. You have like Robeson singing and, you you know, Cabin in the Sky, like a lot of these films had yeah. accompanying soundtracks. You know, Stormy Weather, Cotton Club, yeah. All of these films are from like the 50s that have amazing soundtracks because at the time you couldn't buy the video. You know what I mean? Like people just had the albums of things. Um, and so that's just, you know, in terms of like black soundtrack, I think they go back even further. We can find them, you know, before video. Exactly. Or before soundies, right? Uh, when Louis Armstrong and Fats Waller were, you know, making soundies before that, yeah. like you said, we're going back to the forties and, and the thirties. Absolutely. We could really, this could just be a whole series. And if I had thought about it ahead of time, I would have said, let's do it like that, you know, cause we're, we're all over the place by now, but it's, it's but I think that's okay because yeah. that, that, that's what this show is about. It's, it's, it's four friends just getting together to kick it how we normally would. So, you know. Yeah, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of friendship and music and movies and, in just life in general. And I just I just want to interject this one thing. Um, we mentioned After Seven. Yes. Uh, listen, the Five Heartbeats had a soundtrack, man. And you know, and if you remember that Five Heartbeats soundtrack, After Seven, their single was Nights Like This. You know, <laughs> they did Night, Nights Like This, I wish that were, you know. And the Dells, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, they definitely, they definitely did that. So that was, a, that's an all time you know, favorite of mine as well. Wow, amazing. You know, there and you know, I, I, the the soundtrack used to be a big, you know, oh, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 2, with yes. the, one of my favorite songs on the, it was either Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2 soundtrack was Case and Joe, Faded Pictures. That's faded. like- Oh, Faded Pictures, wow. Yes, one of my absolute favorites. But um, I was gonna say the, the soundtrack for me was always like, uh, I like to call it like a romance because it would take you back to the film or not, but you knew that it was something separate and apart from the artist putting out a record. It was always this, I think that was the uniqueness and the specialness and the novelty of the soundtrack was that yeah. it was a special project unto itself. And I haven't, itself. yeah. And I haven't been excited about a soundtrack in a while, but I must say, have you guys seen uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday yet? No, I, I heard it's amazing though. I love it. I thought, first of all, Andra Day is not of this world. I don't know what she did, but to invoke Billie that way, that's a whole nother subject. Um, and you know, there's always gonna be people who have problem with you know the screenplay and you know, what they focused on, what they didn't focus on. I don't think you can please anybody when you're going to, do, I think when it comes to the music we call jazz, I think 
those are the harshest critics of any genre. Like you can do Bohemian Rhapsody, like nobody's gonna trip about, you know, Freddie Mercury the way they will about how like Miles or, you know, Billy is gonna be portrayed. So you can't please, you can't please those particular fans. Um, but I think that Andrew came as close to perfection. Forget the, forget the script. And I thought the script was pretty compelling, but she is, absolutely phenomenal but the soundtrack is the first in a really long time that I was excited about like it's dope I know her and Raphael Sadiq produce a song together um mm. it, it's just dope she do, they do a couple of originals and then she reworks some of you know Billy's music that's it. I mean it is y'all gotta see it it's on Hulu y'all gotta see this film she is it, it's it's something to behold for real I'll definitely yeah. check that out Absolutely. Yeah, I gotta see that. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, this has been amazing. I mean, you know, getting together and seeing all of you and us, you know, I, we, we all have our individual conversations and friendships, but for us to all come together like this, this is like, this is big for me. This makes my heart really, really glad. So thank you to Casey Benjamin and T.L. Cross and Drago Moore, thank you so much for 25 years, 20, well, more like close to 30 years of friendship and love and support and loyalty and being real ones. And your brilliance, you guys have constantly edified my life in ways that I can't even, you know, put into words. So before we go, um, you guys want to each kind of let people know where they can find you, what you're up to, anything you want to plug, Casey? Uh, yeah, so uh, you can find me on the, the, the platform that I'm most on is Instagram. So KCCASEY uh, underscore Benjamin. Um, and I'm working, my album's done. What? Uh, yeah, my album is completely done. Um, Actually, uh, TL, you're some of the joints that we worked on are on this album. Yeah. So, oh um, my gosh. Yeah. So now I'm just, uh, you know, just mastering it and, um, you know, trying to, you know, do all the other, trying to find a home, whatever. So right. yeah, um, that'll be out soon. And, you know, also updates of, you know, my band will be performing some more in the next couple of months. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent. TL? Oh yeah. Uh, <clears throat> first, first, I want to say you know thank you you know for having us on because I and, and, and this this has meant a lot to me as well you know and uh, and and just to be transparent for everybody out there, this conversation means a lot to me and Angelica specifically. Um, so I also wanted to say I want to throw a name out there, Charlie Smalls. Charlie Smalls is the writer and the composer for. 90 some odd percent of the Wiz music, you know, who died, you know, untimely death. Queensbridge guy, 40 something. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring his name up. But as far as myself, um, you can find me on Instagram as well. It is this is TL Cross. This is TL Cross. And uh, on there, you know, you'll find me doing some music history pieces you know, uh, talking to various people about their journey, their neighborhoods, their cities, towns and stuff as it pertains to music and entertainment. Um, and that's that's pretty much it, you know, and you can, you know, keep your ear out for some things I'll be doing as it pertains to music as well. And, um, and that's about it. Awesome, awesome. Drago. Thank you yeah. for this opportunity. This has been amazing. The guests here are, are, are not only friends, um, but people that I really respect, you know, everybody on this platform. And I was even a little nervous before coming on just because I really respect everyone's opinion. You guys have done so much in the space. Um, so thank you. You can find me at on Instagram, Drago Jr., D-R-E-G-O-J-R. Um, I've been directing now um, several music videos for young kids as we look to take hip hop records that are current and make them kid friendly. And so that is through E1 
slash earworms. It's, it's a joint venture and I'm the director, if you will, of that endeavor. Um, so it keeps me connected to, 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 to young music and big current. Um, and, and also I, I teach um, at Kappa, which is a cross academy performing arts. And uh, the co-founder was actually on here, uh, Cross, who, who didn't speak about it. But, <laughs> but uh, it's an amazing opportunity that, that I've been given to, to help push his brand um, through the lens of intro to dramatic arts for young inner city kids throughout the city. And amazing. So, so those are the things amazing. I'm most proud of right now. Amazing. My friends are the shit. What can I say? Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we're so thrilled to uh, have sh shared this moment with you all and we will see you next time. <laughs>